We continue in this very exciting portion of the genealogies. I've committed to the Lord to preach it word by word. So that's what I'm doing. We have, excuse me, we have this chapter and the next chapter. But chapter nine is where it gets into the inhabitants of Jerusalem, talks about the family of Saul, and then it goes from there into the adventures of King David. And that carries us then to picking back up with 2 Samuel to let you know who we are. There are things though to extract from these genealogies. And as I've said, the Holy Spirit doesn't waste his breath or his time. The genealogy that is given in 1 Chronicles is worded differently than say the genealogies you might find in Genesis or um, Joshua. The chronicler, most believe it was Ezra, had the sources that were still left from the temple and the sources of the military census that had been taken along the years in uh, Israel, Judah, Israel. So the approach to the genealogy and the way it's worded is different from the way that you'll find in other other portions of scripture, but a, a different point is being made here. I told you last time that the genealogies are being presented in the same way that the tribes were arranged in the Exodus with, with the Levites in the middle. And so the, the, and we saw the Levites last time, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the worship of the Lord is seen in the work of the Levites. And so worship is, is central to all the people. But moving ahead of everybody, making way, facing death first, facing the enemy first for the sake of all the other tribes is the tribe of Judah. From whence, of course, the Christ of God will come. So the kingly portion, the the tribe of Judah receives the most attention in this in these genealogies once it reaches the 12 tribes. Now our genealogy in First Chronicles went back and started with Adam. The one that receives the second most attention is the tribe of Levi. The chronicler is carrying us to the reign of David. Now he's writing probably in the fifth century BC or so. So this is after the exile They've, they've been granted their leave to go back to the land. And this is when he's writing and he's writing, of course, to encourage and to show the importance of obedience and to show that God has never lost focus of his covenant, 
of the promise that he's made and especially the promise of the seed of woman. Uh, This is where all of this is carrying us. David and the reign of David plays a very large role because once once David comes on the scene, I've been yelling at Pat too much today, I guess. Once... uh, once the uh, king, uh, once David the king comes on the scene, then we're given a lot of details about his reign, about the people who were his enemies, about the people who were his friends, about people who rebelled against him and how the Lord delivered him. He wrote some of the most beautiful and richest of the Psalms when he was in the the darkest of hours in his reign and in his life. So this is where it's carrying us to because then the Davidic covenant specifies, <clears throat> thank you. She wants me to stop yelling at her. <clears throat> Got a hole in my lower lip. Thank you, <clears throat> that's better. All right, so the Davidic covenant then establishes in more focus the one who will become physically the king of the kingdom. And he's referenced, of course, as the son of David, and that's a big title for Christ uh, in the Gospels, especially. Luke references him more as son of man, the others son of David. So with all of that in mind, now we're going to look at the northern tribes, the situation of the northern tribes. A a picture is being built of, of the situation when David becomes king. Now, the Lord um, in a in a, a spiritual kind of way or whatever, he's, we see the Lord is carrying us through time. And so there's this, these genealogies. And not a, not, a, not a generation is missed, not a decade, not a life. The Lord is in complete control of everything that is happening with his people. He has a plan, he has a purpose, and he is meticulously carrying them forward. So with that in mind, I'll just fly through all of these names and make a comment here and there. These are the northern tribes, and this here we've come to Issachar. So let's look at it. And the sons of Issachar, Tola, Pua, Jashub, Shimron, number four. And the sons of Tola, Uzi, Raphael, Jeriel, Jemai. Ibsam, Samuel, heads of their father's houses of Tola, mighty warriors to their generations. Their number in David's time was 22,600. Now, when David took that census, God punished him. But the census survived. So another of the genealogical records that the chronicler has to draw upon for his information is the military census that was taken. And so here we see that this is taken from that particular uh, kind of, uh, 
of, of census and note the emphasis on the fact that to the north, they were mighty warriors and there were this many, 22,600. Now it doesn't stop with Issachar, but we continue. The sons of Uzi, Ezrahia, and the sons of Ezrahia, Michael and Obadiah, Obadiah, that's how you'd say it, Joel and Ashia, all five of them heads. And with them of their generations, to the house of their fathers, military troops, 36,000, for they had many wives and sons, and their brethren of all the families of Issachar, mighty warriors, 87,000, all having genealogical records. David the king, when he brought all the tribes together, had no small army. It was a great army. This was a very significant army, one of the most significant in that part of the world in that day. Moving on to Benjamin. Now, I told you that the greatest emphasis and the lengthiest of the, of the uh, genealogies was Judah. And then second to that was Levi. Interestingly, the third <clears throat> is Benjamin. Now, here's why. And we extract this from later studies in 1 Chronicles and 2 Samuel. A lot of attention is given to Benjamin because Saul, the first king, comes from the tribe of Benjamin. And Saul becomes a complete failure. So the genealogy is, is extensive and, and well-focused so that the contrast between Benjamin and the king that Benjamin produced can be made with Judah and the king that Judah produced. Again, this is important because it was Jacob or Israel on his deathbed who promised to Judah that the king of Israel would come through Judah. So, so these, these, uh, these tidbits are seen uh, through the scriptures that God does not... There had to be, again, it's, it's back to that what philosophers call conceptual polarity. You can't know how good something can be unless the time comes where you know how bad something can be. So it starts with Saul. This is how bad it can be. But then right after that, David, this is how good it can be. And of course, David in just about every way is a type of Christ. So Benjamin, Belabacher, Jeriel, three, or three heads. And the sons of Bela, Esbon, and Uzi, and Uziel, and Jeremot, and Iri, five heads of the father's house. Mighty warriors. Their genealogical records, 22,034. So we see this then as coming from the military census. Sons of Becher, Zemira, and Joash, and Eliezer, and Eli-Enai, and Omri, and Jeremot, and Abijah, and Anatot, and Alamet. All of these were the sons of Becher. Their genealogical race, their generations, head of their father's house, mighty warriors, 20,200. Sons of Jeriael, Bilhan, and the sons of Bilhan, Jeush, and Benjamin, and Ehud. 
Kena Anna and Zethan and Tarshish and Ahish Ahar. These were the sons of Jediael and the heads of the fathers, mighty warriors, 17,200 who go out to the army for war. Shupim and Hupim, the sons of Ir. Hushim, the sons of Aher. Now, Naphtali, still looking at the northern tribes. These will all consolidate under King David. He will first become the king of Judah and then the rest of the tribes. We'll see that when it comes to about and the story of it in the scriptures. The sons of Naphtali, Jaziel and Guni and Jazir and Shalom, the sons of Bilhah. Okay, that's all that's said about this guy. Rather insignificant. The house of Joseph now is divided into two half tribes. Those are, of course, Ephraim and Manasseh. So we start here, whoops, with uh, Manasseh. The sons of Manasseh, Asriel, whom she bore his Armenian concubine, bore Machir, the father of Gilead. Okay. The Aramean concubine. She's not an Israelite. She's a Gentile. So there's an intermarriage here that's mentioned. And the rest of the rest of Manasseh, you see, will have flowing in their veins the, the blood of, of a Gentile. Uh, so intermarriage is is seen as something that uh, was part of the Israelite history. Makir took a wife of Hupim and Shupim. And the name of his sister was Me'acha. And the name of the second was Zelophehad. And Zelophehad had daughters. And Me'acha, the wife of Gilead, bore a son and she named him Peresh. And his brother's name was Sheresh. Boy, they're real imaginative, aren't they? Hupim and Shupim and Peresh and Sheresh. And his sons were Ulam and Rechem. The sons of Ulam were Badan. These are the sons of Gilead, the sons of Machir, the, sons of Man- the son of Manasseh. And his sister who reigned bore Ishhod and Abiezer and Malah. And the sons of Shemida, Achian and Shechem and Lehi and Aniam. That was Manasseh. Here's Ephraim. Those two put together make up Joseph, right? And the sons of Ephraim, Shutla, and Bered his son, Tahat his son, and Elada his son, and Tahat his son, and Zabat his son, and Shutla his son, Azir, Elad, the men of Gath, the natives of the land, slew them because they came down to take their cattle. Now this is an interesting story. And why he, he puts this in, it's just interesting. So here's a guy whose sons were killed by cattle rustlers, right? And Ephraim, their father, mourned for them many days and his brothers came to console him. So all of his brothers came to console him. He's very sad. He lost his sons. They, they died defending the cattle herd. The rustlers made off with it. So he just decides to make love to his wife. And he went into his wife and she conceived and bore a son. And he named him Baria because during a time of trouble, <laughs> she was in his house. That's, that's how it is. I have nothing else to say. 
<laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. Here we go. And his daughter was She'era. And she built the lower Bet Haron and the upper one. And Uzen She'era. And Repha was his son. And Reshef. And Tilah his son. And Tahan his son. Ladan his son. Amahud his son. Elishama his son. Nun his son. Joshua his son. So now we're to Joshua. There's an overview here by the chronicler to show us the settlement of Ephraim and Manasseh. And their inheritance and their settlements were Bethel and its villages and to the east, Naaran and to the west. Okay, now I have two yellow arrows here because in Joshua, from Gezer down to Dor and its villages, those areas, those villages, those cities, in Joshua were not conquered. They were supposed to have been conquered, but they were not. However, even in the face of failure and disobedience by not completing the destruction of the Canaanites, the chronicler, the Holy Spirit through the pen of the chronicler shows us the importance of obedience and perseverance because it so happens that those cities, those villages indeed were in time conquered. And here we go. Gezer and its villages, Shechem, its villages, until Ayah and its villages, and alongside the sons of Manasseh were Beshan and its villages, Tanach and its villages, Megiddo and its villages, Dor and its villages. So Joseph, by way of Ephraim and Manasseh, keeps moving on and in obedience conquers those places that his forefathers failed to conquer in their disobedience. But here's the importance of obedience. God brings you something good in a life of obedience. And in these, the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, dwelt. Next tribe is Asher. The sons of Asher, Imna and Ishva, Ishvi, Beria, Sarah, their sister. The sons of Beria, Heber and Malchiel. He was the father of Berzait. And Heber begat Japhlet and Shomer and Hotam. And Shua, their sister, the sons of Japhlet, Pasach and Bimhal and Ashvat. These were the sons of Japhlet. And the sons of Shamir, the brother of Verroga, and Huba, and Aram. And the son of Helim, his brother, Zopha, Imna, Shalesh, and Amal, the sons of Zopha, Sua, and Harnifa, and Shual, and Beri, and Imra, Bezir, and Hod, and Shama, and Shilsha, and Ethron, and Be'er. And the sons of Jeteh, Jephunneh, Pispah and Ara, and the sons of Ula, Ara, and Haniel, and Rezia. All these were the sons of Asher, the chosen heads of the father's houses, mighty warriors. Now let me stop here. Just previous, some of those records did not come because it didn't, did not come from military census. It was mentioned, they weren't mentioned as mighty warriors. Now it picks it back up here. And uh, 
the, the point is made that there's, there's still generation after generation, those who will be obedient to the, to the fight, to the war. I mean, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's great imagery in, in Canaan and Israel taking Canaan, the land of promise. It's not an easy thing, but it's a guaranteed thing through obedience. That's the whole point. So we're back here to mighty warriors, the heads of the princes, and their genealogical records in the army in war. Their number was 26,000 men. David will become king, but here's the beautiful thing. When David becomes king, God will have already prepared a mighty army for him. When finally all the tribes come together and, and there was very little time in their history, also the northern tribes that we've studied, those northern tribes become the northern kingdom later. They divide from the southern kingdom, Judah, and those become the northern kingdom. Now that's that the, the foundation of that and, and where it's headed is laid here so that in the course of time in the Old Testament, when it comes to that division within the kingdom and there's a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, we'll know who went where. Um, so anyway, here, uh, it's shown that God is doing all the work for David. God raises up these men to surround David and David will just, when the time that all of the tribes are united, David will just come into a situation where he already has trained, experienced men who can come right into his army. Uh, and of course that, uh, that bolsters his plan and effort to expand and extend the boundaries of Israel as a united kingdom and to protect the, the people of God and the prosperity, of course, to protect. And God, through all of that, is protecting the promise of the Christ that exists in David and in the sons of David yet to come. Well, we're going to stop here and uh, we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.